Because we've got this attitude, I'm my own man, which, okay, I understand. And really, you're supposed to be your own man. You're not supposed to be following the world. But not in front of God. You're not your own man. You don't, you don't get to choose what is right or wrong. You say, I want to choose my own way. Go ahead and choose your own way, but make sure it's the right way. Because you're going to have to stand before God, and who's going to win is my question, okay? So we're going to talk about part two of the sovereignty of God. As we get to, um, uh, as we're going through Romans chapter 9, and we're going through the entire book of Romans, we did uh, the first eight chapters last year, but this year we're going, and we're starting in chapter 9, and, and it's we've started in three very intense chapters. Chapters 9, 10, 11 are all about the, Israel, the nation of, of people called Israel. It's not about Christians. Right now, you there's a lot to learn from it. There's some things that apply to the believer, but Paul has to put perspective. God's plan has not changed. You got to believe that God didn't just because of the cross, just because Pilate turned his back on, on an innocent man, allowed an innocent man to die, just because of the wickedness sin of this world. Uh, God's plan doesn't change. His plan stays through and true. So Paul refers to Israel as his elect, and we read, I want you to read with me again, Romans chapter 9, verses 3 to 5, and Paul's talking about unsaved Israel. He's not talking about spiritual Israel or the true Israel. He's talking about ungodly Israel, He's talking about the people that, that if, uh, you know, if you've ever had any run-ins with them, sometimes they're kind of arrogant, just like you are, but it's really hard to see it when it's in somebody else and they're in your face. And so in, in Romans chapter 9, verse 3, it says, I, Paul, I could wish myself were, and here's the word, damned. I wish I was accursed like Christ was, accursed from Christ for my who? For my brethren of the flesh. Look at what he says. Who are uh, my kinsmen according to the flesh who are what? All right, so he says, I could wish. Now, he doesn't wish it, but he could, he, he could wish it. It's kind of a funny play on words. He's not asking to be damned so they could be saved. <laughs> Can't do that. Uh, Jesus took the punishment. He was condemned so that the world could be saved. But Paul says, I still wish my people would be saved. And he's willing to give up his life. He's just not going to wish it because it's a pretty hard thing to wish. I could wish myself a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites. And watch the special place that Israel, even unsaved, and throughout history, and as a nation has had, it says, to whom pertaineth the adoption? And a lot of people get that all wrong. I'm adopted in the family of God, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the nation of Israel being adopted. And he calls Israel his son. And he specially called out a nation of people and adopted them and made them his people. It says, to them belong the adoption and the glory, I mean the honor, of, of being that special child in, in God's family, Israel, and the covenants, all the promises of God. There are physical promises. There are spiritual promises. Guess which ones we get? The spiritual ones. We are blessed with all spiritual blessings, not the physical ones. Israel gets the land, okay? There are promises that God made specifically to Israel. And Paul says uh, the, the, the promises, um, the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the service, and the promises Whose are the fathers, that's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so on, uh, and of whom concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever. So Israel is a, is a select, elect, special nation. 
Uh, they are the example of God's grace. If you know anything about their history, you'd wonder, why didn't God just wipe them off the map? Why does God allow them to still be around? Because of grace. You ever think, now that you're saved, Brother Trevor was uh, really teaching very well this morning, practical stuff. I want you to understand, God's grace is not based upon my effort or my ability to live up to any measurement. Because if I ever tried to live up to a measurement and God expected that, when I fail, what should God do? Wow, he should be done with me. But grace doesn't do that. You understand what I'm saying? And Israel is the example of his grace. It is a physical, present, real example of God being gracious to a people who don't, who don't deserve it. It is also... Uh, a special nation because God didn't give his laws through Dublin. He didn't give it through the EU, didn't give it through America. He gave it through Israel. All those laws, every freedom you've got in the law books right now that are ones that are remaining came from the Bible. If there's a proper freedom, I'm not talking about all the freedoms they want to live as they please in their sin, but the, but the freedoms that we have and the freedoms of a Western society are founded upon the laws given to Israel. And he gave us the best thing, which was Jesus. Isn't that amazing? So that's a special people. Wouldn't you agree? They are, they are special. Um, now, there are uh, Israel's, let me just say this, Israel's failures didn't cancel the promises. Just because uh, so much of their history, they were unbelieving. So much of their history, they turned to idolatry. They turned away from God. They, they did the exact opposite than what God wanted them to do. Just because all that doesn't make God go, I'm done with you. It's over. I'm going to go find someone else. No, God doesn't do that. You see, God knew Israel would fail. God's not just discovering, wow, man, these people are not the people I expected them to be. That's not God. And that's not how he treats us either. And you can, just, you can just rest and know that in Christ, I'm okay. Amen? In the world, I'm a mess. Okay? At home, things are not well. Uh, at the job, things are not going great. But in Christ, I am perfect. I am, I am uh, whole. I am complete. I am, I am in his care. And uh, Israel is proven to us that when we fail, it doesn't change God's promises. It's absolutely breathtaking. So um, uh, they will one day receive their Messiah. Um, that Bible, there's a book in your Bible written to the Hebrews. I wonder who they are. You say, well, God's all through with them. Well, what's it doing in the Bible then? Why does it talk about 12 tribes of Israel in Revelation if they're not going to be there? So just take a step back. Brother Trevor's talking about all these YouTube guys who are just hurting Christians and turning people away. Don't follow that stuff. Follow your Bible. Amen. You say, I get confused. I do too. That's why I study it. That's why I take time. And I just don't say stuff off the cuff and just try to impress people with fancy you know, words and stuff. I'm very careful because I don't want to dishonor God or his word. So one day they're going to receive their Messiah. The Bible says, and all Israel shall be saved. And God will take away the, uh, the sin from Jacob. So I'm, I'm just going to believe it. So there are at least 14 complex concepts in, in chapters 9, 10, 11. And we're only focused on two of them today. Uh, yeah, last week and this week, the sovereignty of God and that Gentiles get included in the family of God. I mean, 
You say, do you understand that? No. I, I, I just I sit in awe of the fact that God knows what he's doing. He's able to do what he's doing, and I get in on it. I don't have to understand it, but I can believe it, and I can enjoy it. And I hope you do too this morning, okay? Uh, from last week, I said the following things, okay? Last week, we just talked a bit about the sovereignty of God. And look at chapter 9, verse 17. Pick up there in verse 17. It says, For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, this is where we're going we're to be talking about him today. Romans chapter 9, verse 17, chapter 9. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up. Now watch these words. God's talking to Pharaoh. That I might show my power, that's his sovereignty there, in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Verse 18, therefore hath he, God, mercy on whom he will have mercy, and on whom he, on, on whom he, and whom he will, he hardeneth. Now that's, that's in two short verses, that's the declaration of the, of the infinite good power of God. Watch this. Uh, we learned last week that God is God alone. There's not two, three, four, 15, 20, or 200 gods up in heaven all arguing about what to do. There's one God, and he is alone. He says, uh, I know not got any other God up here with me. It's kind of humorous. There's only one God, and he created absolutely everything. These astronomers keep saying the universe is bigger and galaxies have more stars. And I just, I just go, wow, cool. My God made that. And as big as they think this universe is, my God's bigger. And so as big as they think this universe is, I understand he made absolutely everything everything in this universe and that means he has all power if he can ignite the sun <laughs> and leave it burning if he can start the world spinning and going around this around the sun if he can create this universe and hold it together i believe there's nothing he can't do amen you see christians used to believe that we only believe what we experience instead of believe what we read in the bible he has all power and he has the authority to do as he pleases. Now, that ought to terrify you. <clears throat> you know, if God has the ability to do anything he wants, aren't you glad we also learn that God is absolutely good? Because if you were in power, I wonder what damage you would do. Amen. You always wonder about these politicians who knock on your door, and they're going to be doing it here in the next few weeks. Well, can I get your vote? And you'll ask him, I ask him, and it says, what's your position on, on, um, on abortion? Are you for removing the repeal of the Eighth Amendment? That's what I'm going to ask him. And you know what a lot of them are going to say? Oh, well, yeah, I've never been comfortable with it. And you know what I know? They're lying. Because as soon as they get into power, they'll change. Amen? Power ruins you. But with God, absolute power has not ruined him. He is absolutely good. Hallelujah. Thank God, because if he ever turned dark, man, he does not control the will of any human. Now, that shocks some people because they think if God has absolute control, then he must control the hearts and the minds of people. No, he doesn't. He influences you. But when he made you, he made you like him. He did not create robots. He created people with free will. Now, our wills are messed up, but don't misunderstand this. His sovereignty stops at the door of your heart and waits for you to finally surrender. And you'll read that Bible where people don't surrender. But isn't it wonderful when people do? 
That's when you get saved. That's when people get born again. If you're waiting on God to force you to believe, you'll go straight to hell. God says, repent and believe the gospel. It's on you. He does not control the will of any human, even though he could. Amen? That's why I worship him, because he, he has a limit. He actually limits himself to what he's promised in the word and what he says he'll do in the word. That's a gentleman. He also works with the frailty of man. You say, well, I fail all the time. Of course you and I do. I mean, I just, I can't live up to it. Of course you can't. You know what God does? He works with broken people. I want you to take a step back in your mind and think for a second. When God made Adam, what did he make him out of? It doesn't say he made him out of gold or platinum or titanium. He made us out of dust. <laughs> How sturdy is dust? He knows what he's getting into when he works with us, amen? He works with the frailty, the flaws, the inabilities of people. You say, oh, I've got to live up to this. Well, you ought to live up to the better, but you don't have to. You can fail and you can fail. And the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, though he fall, and he will. God will raise him up again and get him keep going if he just get up and just trust the Lord again. God works with us even though we're incomplete, even though we're a failure. Uh, last week we learned that God still accomplishes what he wants even though we try to stop him. You know, they tried to burn during the, uh, you ought to learn the history of the Bible. In, in, in Europe, uh, talking about Roman Catholics, the bishops all over Europe burned Bibles as they were printed. And we're talking about Bibles that were hand copied at first. They did an entire New Testament and they would, They'd spend, they'd spend months hand-copying the New Testament to give away to somebody, and then the bishop would find it and burn it. You can try to burn that book. You can try to change that book, and it still remains. You see, God's still going to keep working out his will. You can, you can uh, uh, destroy the temple. You can scatter the Jews, and they're still a nation. There is something going on where God's still going to complete his work, even though we're messing with it. Uh, politicians try to make laws against stuff during the COVID. They says churches can't meet, even though the Constitution says we have the right to. Uh, under no circumstances can they tell us not to. Now, we honored it for a little while because we didn't know what was going on. But here's the point. They can do all they want, but God will still accomplish his will. Amen. You need to just sit back and go, I might as well enjoy the ride instead of fight it. <laughs> I got put on a my kids talked me into getting on a roller coaster one time. And you know what they do when they put you in that thing? They lock you in. Anybody notice that? And you're like, I went out. <laughs> and then you go, and it's, it's, it's deceptive. And you think, oh, it's over. <laughs> and clink, and ah, and you never breathe another time for the next six minutes. But you might as well just hold on, man. Enjoy the ride. Amen. God's going to do something great if you just go with him instead of fighting him, all right? So you can, he can be fully trusted. We've learned all this last week. I just got to remind you, this is why we serve God. This is why we love God, because he's sovereign. He is in absolute, uh, he's absolutely right to choose and to use who he, who he wants, whether they're righteous, sinful, doesn't matter. God knows what he's doing. And you can just trust he's in control. When, when you lose your job, God knows, and he, he's behind it. 
Is he mean God wants me to lose my job? I don't know, but I think he knows what he's doing. And he might have a better one for you. Amen. You say, well, my health is going down. Amen. So is mine. <laughs> but God knows what he's doing. He's in control. I don't leave it to the doctors. I don't leave it. I go to the doctors. I go and I listen to advice. But God is in control. That's the rest of a Christian. So this, this morning, I want to talk about... <clears throat> The, the display of God's power. God is, um, uh, go to Job chapter 9. We'll come back. Hold your place here in Romans chapter 10. But if you find Psalms, go to the left and find Job. We'll talk to you about how God mentions this guy uh, by title, Job. I'm sorry, by title, Pharaoh. He doesn't mention him by name. And we'll learn about that in a moment. Job chapter 9 <clears throat> and verse 4. Job chapter 9 and verse 4. When God was going to show off his power and show his sovereign power and his choice, he, he chose, he elected, he selected Pharaoh to reveal it to. And I want you to see Job chapter 9 because I want this, because this great verse, you ought, to, you ought to circle this verse, Job 9 verse 4. It's talking about God. He is wise in heart and mighty in strength, isn't he? Who hath hardened himself against him? Ever seen anybody really get angry at God? Who hath hardened himself against him and hath prospered? You want to answer that? Anybody who's ever gotten mad at God and says, I'm never going back to church again. I know people right now who I went to Bible college with, and, and I've watched them through the years, and they're mad at God. They don't go to church. I mean, they used to be on fire for God, but they got hurt. And I don't doubt they got hurt bad. But they won't go to church, won't read their Bible, they won't win souls. <laughs> And they're mad at God. You know what my new my word for them is? You can't win. You can't resist and harden yourself against God and prosper. Amen. So that's going to come true in the life of Pharaoh. You go back to Romans chapter 9. And we'll read that verse 17 again. Romans 9, 17. So Paul brings in this, this Pharaoh. Now, Everybody knew of the empires of the day. You had Egypt, you had uh, Babylon, you had Assyria, you had the Medes and the Persians, you had Greece. And in Romans' time, guess what empire it was? Rome. <laughs> so they knew about world empires. And here in chapter 9 and verse 17, it says, For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even, this is God talking, even for this same purpose have I raised thee. Up. Watch that. That I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Now, what did God actually say here? Did he actually say, for this cause I created you? Now, this is where Calvinist goes off. You ever see a train go off the rails? That's for somebody who believes that God is so in control that you don't have any choice in the matter. God did not say to Pharaoh, I created you to destroy you. Doesn't say that, does it? It says, for this cause did I raise you up. For this cause, you know, you know, our Taoiseach didn't really get elected. And our Thomas really didn't get elected and all this stuff. But normally people in power in the Western world get elected, don't they? You know what God says? He's an unknown guy. I know that the uh, uh, Egyptologists and all these historians, stuff like that, know his name. I don't remember the name of this pharaoh, Seti the First or whatever his name was. But... God's, God just took a nobody, took a guy, 
and he raised him up into the place of Pharaoh, he said, I put you in power. I voted you in. I elected you. That's election. Somebody says, well, I don't know if I'm part of the elect. I don't know if I'm elected to be saved or elected to be damned. I don't know if you've ever heard that stuff. But that is wrong. You know what God does? He elects to use you or he elects to punish you. But it's all mercy. But he does not elect to damn you or elect to save you. You know what God wants? He's not willing that any should perish. But that all, and that all in the Greek means all, that all should come to repentance. So he does not say, for this cause I created you. He says, I gave you power as king. See, the first statement would imply that God created Pharaoh to fail. Pharaoh, I created you because you're I, I created you to fail. Adam, I created you to sin. Craig, I created you so that you would miserably fail. Are you serious? No. The scripture is saying that God gave this man, whatever his name is, great power, knowing that he would fight him. And God knows you too. And, and there's sometimes where God puts you into places of power and he expects you to do right, knowing you won't. But he's not to blame for it. You see what I'm saying? See, God, we have to honor our authorities. We have to honor our Tishuk. We have to honor as little as we can. Uh, we have to honor the Garda. We have to honor all people that are in authority because God put them there, didn't he? Nod your head. Now we get what we deserve. But, you know, when they got to that place of position, what God expects of them to do the right thing. And when they don't, it's on them, isn't it? It's on them. And we, we've got to vote them out. Amen. The scripture says that I gave you power as a king. It was not so that, that uh, Pharaoh could show how great, so that, so that, Pharaoh could show out how great he was. Let me show you this little thing. But to show God's great power and that it's greater than ours. So here's a great illustration. Here's Pharaoh standing up saying, behold my power, which is what he did. He said to Moses when Moses came up to him and says, uh, you better let God's people go. And Pharaoh said, why? He says, because God said, do it. Who's God? Jehovah. He said, I don't know Jehovah and I will not let them go. Look at, behold, my power. I'm going to be in control. I will keep all these nations as slaves to build my cities and my pyramids. I am all powerful. That's what Pharaoh said. <laughs> and yet, if you read your Bible, it goes on. God says, dude, I put you there. Behold, my power. And you remember that next time. Next time, my mom used to say it. My mom was close to God. All right. She had almost sovereignty. She says, she said this to me more than once. She said, Ledbetter, I brought you into this world. I can take you out. That's pretty close to God. Amen? <laughs> but that's what God was saying. I want, I want the world to see not the power of Pharaoh, even though he's pretty powerful. I want people, the world to see my power. So, uh, uh, he wasn't trying to damn Pharaoh. Uh, God's power was not being shown to, to destroy and damn, damn the Egyptian people, but to save his people. That was the whole point of God getting involved in Egypt to begin with, because that's where Israel was. And God came in and spoke through Moses, and he listened to his gentleness. 
when when Moses comes in, he's 40 years out in the desert. He looks rough and he stands up against this very powerful man named Pharaoh. And he says, God says to let him go. I mean, that's respect. Will you let him go? And Pharaoh's got a choice to make. And Pharaoh, you know, we know the story. Pharaoh says, I will not let them go. Once you understand, uh, God was was only dealing with Pharaoh because he's trying to save his people. Amen. When, jo when Joseph was in prison, you know what happened? It's, it's all those prisoners. You know what, 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 what God did for the, the jailer that Joseph was working for? He blessed them because Joseph was there. And it ought to be true when you're at work, your boss ought to have a better company. The company should be blessed because of you, not, not cursed with your grumbling. Your home, if you're the only one saved in your home, you ought to be the light there, not the darkness. And God will work in that home even if you're the only one there because he's going to work for you. Anyway, hold my power, God says. So God uh, says to Pharaoh, I raised you up to show you, so show the world my power and so the world would know my name. You know, it's just funny. It took about 3,000 years for some Egyptologist to finally figure out the name of the Pharaoh that Moses stood up in front of. Huh. And they had to dig through a lot of dirt. <laughs> but I've known, and I was a dumb Gentile. I wasn't even looking for God. I knew there was a God. And the name Jehovah is known worldwide. I think God won, didn't he? Hmm. So who can resist God? Look at verse 19. Verse 19. Thou wilt say then unto me, why doth he, God, yet find fault for who hath resisted his will? Hmm. You know, uh, when, when, when Pharaoh tried to resist Moses and tried to resist God, what did God do? Plague after plague, disaster after disaster. I mean, it, the, the land was filled with locusts and then was filled with frogs and then was filled with lice. And then was then they had hail falling out of the sky as big as litter balls. And they were on fire, <laughs> ice on fire. Then there was darkness. And then over a million firstborn children all die one night. I mean, what, what's going on there? All of those disasters, how do you resist that? When, when you know, think about Pharaoh, I wish we could, we could probably do a, a complete study of just the life of Pharaoh and his, his pride. But even when he finally breaks and he finally lets Israel go and then they walk out, no, no army, no, no shot was fired, no engagement of the enemy. They just walk out of Egypt. And it took just one day for Pharaoh to say, what did I just do? And he turns and he grabs his best soldiers and they get on the chariots and they chase after him. Pharaoh just hardened himself and God hardened him as well. We'll talk about that in a moment. So who can resist God? So uh, Paul asks, why does God fall, find fault with us if he always does what he wants to do? I mean, he has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy and he hardens whom Resistance his will. Well, he's reminding the Jews that no one can resist God's choices. And that's the key to this whole thing, because God has made a choice to include us. 
That's the choice. And the Jews, who are believers, are having a hard time with it. And they're going, wait, wait, I thought we were the special ones. We're, supposed to, we're the only ones that are supposed to get in. And you're in first, but you're not the only ones. So uh, God tells us, by the way, who he will harden. Let me read for you. Just don't go there. But Hebrews 3.13 says, exhort one another daily. And you ought to. You ought to encourage one another. While it is called today, not tomorrow, do it today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You know, God doesn't even have to harden you. Sin will. Uh, go to, I do want you to go to 2 Thessalonians. You're in Romans. We'll come back in a moment. But 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, just before Hebrews. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 10. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Wow. Why? Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Wait a minute. Who's, whose fault is it? It's theirs that they won't receive the love of the truth so they'd be saved. Verse 11. And for this cause, because they would not receive the truth. They didn't want to believe it. For this cause, God shall send them strong. You know, you ever met anybody? And they says, well, they're, they're in a deluded world. They're deluded. They're messed up. Their brains are twisted. God will send strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Now, if you don't believe the truth, guess what you're going to believe? If you don't start believing your Bible, you're going to believe your, your ancestors crawled out of, a, out of a hole in the ground and were amoeba with two feet. If you don't believe the truth, you'll fall for any lie that comes along. Um, but watch what it says. Um, verse 12, that they all might be what? All right, God doesn't want anybody damned. But if you don't want the truth, that's where it's headed. Who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. It's amazing how the scripture will clear things up. <clears throat> James 4, 6 says, he giveth more grace. He always says more than my sin. Wherefore, God said, God resisteth the proud. And he gives grace unto the humble. You know why Israel was able to walk out of Egypt? Because they had nothing. You know why God broke and destroyed Egypt and Pharaoh? Because of pride. Now, I'm going to ask you this morning, you say, well, I'm like Israel. Are you? Or are you more like Pharaoh? <coughs> because the question is, you can't win. Um, who can resist God? Um, Pharaoh could not harden himself against God and win. I already read that verse. It says, who hath hardened himself against God and hath prospered? Let's go to Exodus chapter 10. Exodus chapter 10. I want you to see an encounter here between Moses and Pharaoh and God. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 10, verse 3. Exodus, second book in your Old Testament there. Exodus 10, verse 3. Moses and Aaron came in unto Pharaoh and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long will... What's the next word? All right, so who's refusing? Is it God making him refuse or is he doing it of his own? He's saying, How long are you going to choose to refuse 
to humble thyself before me. Let my people go that they may serve me. I'm putting it in your lap, Pharaoh. It's up to you whether you're going to be ruined or you're going to let Israel go. Verse 11, uh, verse 4, sorry. Else if thou refuse. There's an if there, which means he could choose the right thing. But if thou refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring something new on I not only ruin your water supply, but now I'm going to bring locusts into thy coast. Go down to verse 9. Now Pharaoh calls him back and says, what do you want? What is it you really want? And Moses said, we will go with our young and with our old, with our sons and with our daughters, with our flock and with our herds will we go. For we must hold a feast unto the Lord. And he, Pharaoh, said to him, let the Lord be so with you. Watch it. Sounds good so far. Sounds good to me, as I will let you go. Boy, if Pharaoh stopped there, he would have saved Egypt. But it says this, let you go and your little ones, look to it, for evil is before you. Now he's starting, at that moment, he's starting to get dark. He says, because I can't guarantee what's going to happen to you out there in, in the wilderness. And then watch this, verse 11. In a second, he switches, and he goes, what? Not so. I mean, it's just in a blink of an eye. He says, okay, you can go, but you better be careful. Oh, no, you're not going. Wow. Look at the battle Pharaoh's having in his heart. Mm, I should let you go, but I'm not going to let you go. Wow. Not so. Go now, ye that are men, and serve the Lord, and leave the kids, he's saying. For that ye did desire, and they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. Now I want you to go down to verse um, 11, I'm sorry, down to verse 20. But the Lord did what? Hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would not let the children of Israel go. I want you to understand. Pharaoh's making up his mind and hardening himself against God. And then what does God do? He hardens his own, hardens Pharaoh's heart even more. You better start to fear that when you get a hard heart, you get a bitter heart, you get an angry heart against God. You say, well, I'm not angry at God. I bet you aren't. When you get hard, God says, I got to make it harder. You don't, you, because you're usually fighting the will of God, the word of God, the, 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 um, uh, the situation God got you in, and you fight it. And God says, I cannot bless you when you're resisting what I'm trying to do to you. You know, the best thing that ever happened to the prodigal son was to get hungry was to be broken. What if that young man, out after spending all of his money, sitting in that pig pen, what if he shook his fist at God and says, God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you making me hunger? I don't want you anymore. You know what God will do? Pour on some more bitterness. You don't harden yourself against God and win. What's the one thing that happened with the prodigal son that saved him was he said, I think I'll go home. As embarrassing as it will be, as humiliating it will be to see my older brother as he looks down on me, at least I'll have food. At least I'll be home. And he humbled himself. And that is where the grace of God is accepted and enjoyed. But the hardening, you tell me. When does God harden us? When we've already started to harden our own hearts. That's scary. So who do we think we are? Um, look in verse 9, uh, back to uh, Romans chapter 9, verse 20. 
Romans 9.20. Paul's got all kinds of great questions he asks. So he says in verse 20, people ask, who's resisted God? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> it's better to just go with him. He's not an ogre. He's not a cruel taskmaster. He's not trying to make your life miserable. As we're going to talk, he designed you for a purpose. And if you fight it and you try to find your own purpose in the world, you'll be miserable. You say, I, I wish I wasn't born a man. I don't feel happy as a man. I don't feel happy as a woman. I, I wish I, I wish I wasn't in this family. I wish God had, I had got to maybe be born in another family. You hear all that stuff? When, when you start to fight against the will of God for your life, and the will of God may be you to be in a miserable situation. I know that's hard to hear because we're in the 21st century. We don't accept miserable situations, but God does. And when we get in that miserable situation and we start to get angry at God, we need to realize, I can't win. I might as well just do right in it. If I do right and I humble myself, God will always bless. Let me come back to that in a minute. Let's look in verse, uh, where did I say? Verse 20. Nay, but oh man, who's reading this, who art thou that repliest against God? He then says, shall the thing formed... Say to him that formed it, it'd be kind of cute if you're making something out of clay and the clay all of a sudden is a little mouth and says, why did you, why did you make me this way? <laughs> why hast thou made me thus? I mean, who do we think we are? Pharaoh tried to argue against God. He refused to believe that the God of the Jewish people was God. He refused to let Jehovah God let him tell him, uh, tell him what to do. I know Pharaoh was king of Egypt, king of the Egyptian empire, the most powerful man of his day. But who did he think he was? Amen. And most people still do this today. I, 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 I'm glad I can't read minds. Because I know people who churn and boil on the inside when they're rubbed the wrong way. When people tell them what to do, they go, I'm not doing that. I mean, if they, they have a name for it. There's a disorder for people who, when they're told to do something, they do the exact opposite. You know what the Bible calls it? Rebellion. <laughs> but they just you feel rubbed the wrong way. They care what the Bible says. They come to a church for a little while. They enjoy hearing how wicked politicians are. Wouldn't it be great if I just preached against all the politicians? Would I hear some amens? <laughs> People come to church and hear about all the bankers, amen. Remember 2007, 2008? Mm -hmm. All the wickedness of Hollywood. But then they'll close their ears when the Bible speaks about their lifestyles, about yours, and about their responsibilities, about living right. We love to hear preaching that is directed at our wives. Yeah, preacher, hit her again. Are you listening, woman? Then when the preaching's against us, we go, la, 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 not listening. We're just like Pharaoh, aren't we? We're just like Pharaoh. By the way, look at that verse, verse 20. He says, shall the things formed say to him that formed it, why hast thou made me thus? I wanted to go to a side rabbit trail for just a second. So many people hate themselves today. They hate their looks, they hate their job, they hate their husbands, they hate their wives, they hate the country that they're in, they hate their health problems, they hate their past. They scream in private, God, why are you doing this to me? Why couldn't you have made me different than I am? 
Why have you made me this way? And I'm here to tell you that's a demonic way of thinking, folks. That is not right. It's not healthy either. How are you made? How are you built? Are you a man? Are you, are you, were, you, were you made a woman? You're not made transgender. You're not made a cat, a fish, a dog, or a reptile. Amen. How are you made? Were you tall, short, fat, skinny? At birth, were you sickly or healthy? Were you, are you brown-skinned, black-skinned, yellow, white, gray-skinned? Are you wealthy, poor? How are you made? Some people are born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Don't envy them. I was uh, talking to somebody yesterday, and the boss of the company, there are two bosses of the company, they, they can't let it be known when they're around because they're worth billions because somebody will try and kidnap them or try to find out where the kids are. Listen, all the money in the world comes with a lot of curse. See, I wish I was like Elon Musk. I don't think you would. How did God make you? Poor? Do he make you smart or stupid? I can answer that. Blind or seeing? Deaf or dumb? Bald or hairy? <laughs> Crippled or whole? Don't complain about God's craftsmanship. Amen. Listen to Psalm 139. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And that my soul uh, knoweth right well, marvelous thy works. I'm not an accident. Your nose is absolutely marvelous, ladies. I wish I had a smaller nose. I wish I didn't have this dimple. Your freckles are beautiful. Your eye color is wonderful. Your muscles, gentlemen, are magnificent. Don't be ashamed of them. Your skin color is just right. I wish Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, Michael Jackson had learned that. From the time he became popular, he tried to change his skin color. I don't know if you noticed it, but he hated his blackness. Don't you ever be ashamed of how God made you. Amen. Your weakness, he also hated his nose. It's quite humorous. He had more operations on his nose than you want to know about. And by the way, your weaknesses were designed by God too. Your weaknesses so that he can show himself strong through you. Amen. Man, wherever God has you right now, maybe he has you in a position of power. You know what you need to do? If you, if you have a company and you've got employees underneath you, you know what? You have the ability to fire them all and hire new ones or make their life miserable. You know what God says? Do right. You have power, do right. Then there's the other person who doesn't have any power. You know what you need to do? Do right. No matter if God's put you in a high position or kept you low, it doesn't matter. Do the right thing. Because who do we think we are to argue with God? So uh, verse 21, he goes on and he says, Hath not the potter power over the clay? Of the same lump of clay to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor. This is very interesting because uh, I'm going to say a couple of things here. God gives some people great honor and others he gives none. And he's not referring to salvation. God doesn't go, I'm going to save you and I'm going to send you to hell. That's not God. You see, God's choice stops at the heart. You send yourself to hell. Amen. You determine whether you're going to be in the presence of the Lord Jesus for all eternity or you're going to be writhing in anguish and pain for all eternity. You choose. But he can choose to put you in a good position or in a bad situation. That's his choice. 
And the sooner you start to go, all right, Lord, you're in control, the sooner God will start to honor his promises and get you through the valley. Amen. He gives some people honor and others he does he gives them nothing. Secondly, God is creator and the purposer of life. Uh, Isaiah 64, 8 says, But now, O Lord, thou art our father. We are the clay, and thou our potter. And we are all the work of thy hand. He created us on purpose. Somebody says, well, that was an unplanned pregnancy. You can believe that all you want. God wants that baby to live. Amen. God wants that child to grow up and do something with their life. Amen. You know what? I think there's probably been more people who've been murdered in the womb who could have helped and turned this world around, and they were, they were terminated. You see, God is the purposer of life. Don't you say, well, as an accident, it's just a clump of clay of, 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 of cells. No, no, no. It's a life that was meant to live. It's a shame that we even have to discuss it. He created us on purpose. I know we're in Romans. I get you going back and forth, but I go to Jeremiah chapter 18 because I think this is really important. Jeremiah 18. Jeremiah 18, 1 to 4. Jeremiah 18, 1 says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there will I cause thee to hear my words. I'm going to teach you something. Verse 3. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. Now, the wheel is, my mom had a, had a shop that and she taught people how to do pottery, and this spinning wheel. Now, in those days, you had to spin it with your foot, but you were spinning the pottery. And he wrought a work, he did a work on the wheels, verse 4, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred. It was messed up in the hand of the potter. So he made it again. Well, those are precious words. God doesn't give up on us. Wow. We mess up and he says, let me try again. Another vessel as seemed good to the potter. That's the sovereignty of God. So just stop there for a second. Was the problem with the potter? Was the potter not knowing what he was doing? No, the potter's very well trained. God's a perfect potter. It was the clay that was the problem. And the clay did not yield to his grip. And if you've ever worked with clay, and last year at, at, at youth camp, we actually had somebody bring in a couple of spinning wheels, and the kids learn how hard it is to get that clay into the middle of the wheel and then make something out of it. It was absolutely beautiful for the kids to understand, that's me. I'm fighting God. And sooner you just go, wherever you want me, Lord, whatever you want to come out of this mouth, whoever you want me to go to, Whatever you want me to do with my life, I will no longer fight you. The sooner you get into the middle of God's will, the more wonderful and beautiful your life is. That's no guarantee you're going to be wealthy. That's no guarantee you're going to be healthy. That's no guarantee you're going to be successful, but you will be blessed. God, when he purposes you, he purposes you for something beautiful. So he goes on. Look in verse 5. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of who? He's talking to Israel here. Cannot I do with thee as this potter is done? Saith the Lord, behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. At what instant? I shall speak concerning a nation, concerning a kingdom, 
to pluck it up and to pull it down and to destroy it. Soon as I warn, like he did the Ninevites by Jonah, if that nation against whom I have pronounced such evil, if they turn from their evil, did you notice that? He's not going to force them. He's going to judge them. But if they turn from their evil, I then will turn. I will repent of the evil that I have thought to do to them. And at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build up and plant it. I want to bless it. If it do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good. Wherewith I said I would benefit them. And then he goes on and he says, that's you. And I'm trying to get you to hear my words. The point is, God treats us based on our response to his words. The best place for you to be right now is right where you're listening to the word of God. You say, I'll be busy next week. I can't be at church. I, there are some times where you can't be. But if you want God to work on your heart and, to, and, and for you to finally get in the middle of God's will and for you to learn to yield, you need to be under the preaching word of God so you can say, you win. That's why church is important. God has power like a potter. Now, what was God showing the world? We'll finish this up. Verse 22, back there in Romans chapter 9, verse 22. 22, 23, and 24. What if God? Now, the what if's a great thing. I like when, when Paul plays this out. What if God, willing to show his wrath, and make his power known, as he did with Pharaoh, what if he endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? Why did he put up with Pharaoh? Why didn't God just have Moses walk in and, like Palpatine, lightning to strike out of his hand, and Pharaoh to die, and all of, of uh, Egypt crumble, and Israel walk out? Why didn't God just do it like the movies? You ever think of that? Why did God put up with, why did he respect Pharaoh enough to ask because that's how God is and if you're sitting in church and you're uncomfortable and you hear the plea will you come will you believe that's God being gentle with you don't harden your heart against it because Pharaoh did so he says what if God puts up with these vessels that are destined for destruction verse uh, 23 that he might make known. So what if all this was going on so that he would make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which were Israel there, which he had afore prepared under glory, even who? Us, whom he hath called, not to the Jews only, ah, but also to the Gentiles. Where's Paul going? He's trying to say to the Jews, you know what, the only reason why you walked out of Egypt is because God was merciful to you and you received it. If Pharaoh had finally humbled himself and accepted the will of God, God would have been merciful to Egypt, wouldn't he? Do you see that? But instead, Pharaoh had to be destroyed because he fought God. And so the Jews say it, we're so awesome, we're the most important. You can say that and believe it all you want, but it's only because you humbled yourself as a nation and you said, we will trust God. We will believe in the lamb. If he says, go west, we will go west. If he says, go north, we'll go north. And they did that for 40 years. But they became vessels of his mercy. Which one do you want to be? I spent too much time being a, a rebel, arrogant, proud American. About time I became humble 
And I just let God be God. Because he has all power. When God shows his power, he's showing he has real power, man. Amen. Secondly, God puts up with, endures the rantings of pride and of arrogant people like Pharaoh, like Hitler, like ungodly media today. Why does God allow those people to just do what they do? That's God. And if God had to start judging them, he'd have to judge us too. You understand that? What has he proven when he shows his power to the world, thirdly, that you can't win against him? Don't be a fool. Don't continue to refuse to do the right things. You know, you're a husband. You know the right thing to do with your wife and to your wife and to your family and with your schedule. Ladies, if you're, if you're a, a married woman, nobody needs to write you a big, long 400-page book of what you need to do at home and how you're supposed to treat your husband, how you're supposed to treat your kids. It's in you. You know what else is in you? Pride. I will not humble myself. I will not do the right thing because they hurt me. I know how it feels. And the battle is here, and it better be lost here so the sovereignty of God can finally work through a rebel like us and bless our homes and bless our church and bless our nation. If my people, which are called by my name, God says, shall humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, pray, seek my face, then I will heal their land. You can't win against him. That's what he's proving. And we, he's proven also, lastly, oh, come on, that Gentile believers get in on the new covenant by faith. Now, that's a, what's a new covenant? That's all next week. So don't miss next week. Because I plan on answering some obvious questions about the sovereignty of God, like why pray? How do we pray if, to an all-powerful, all-knowing being who already knows what he wants to do? Why should I pray? Well, there's some great reasons. <gasps> you don't know. I'm going to answer, why does God choose some people? Oh, no. i, I got to finish my sentence. I'm going to answer, does God choose some people to be saved and some to damn? I'm going to help you find out how you make decisions if God already has made them for me. How do I make decisions then? Can I ruin God's will? Will God ever change towards me? Man. So I'm talking to people who are probably hard like Pharaoh. So I'm not hard towards God. Yeah, but you're hard towards other people. Jesus said, if you treat them that way, you're treating me that way. You know, if you're like Pharaoh, it's the worst way to be. You will only become harder and harder and end up ruined in the end unless... You open your eyes to what's happening in your heart. You take a good inventory and says, am I hard? Does God put something on my heart and then I resist it and I squelch it and I quench it and I shut it up? And now I know I find myself so backslid. I don't even want to go to church. I don't want to read my Bible. And the problem is not God. The problem is you've hardened your own heart. And I'm afraid to tell you God hardens it too. You need to start fear being stubborn against the God who knows you and who's going to win in the end. Because you won't win. God's mercy is available, but it's only to people who give up the fight and surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We are undeserving people. Nothing we do can earn God's grace and mercy, but we can't accept it.
Have you accepted it? Stand with me and bow in prayer. <coughs> Fathers, we bow before you. We, we close our eyes. We humble ourselves. We, we stop thinking about everything else going on. And we just think about talking to you. And when we do that, it's very humbling. It puts us in our place. We don't even bring ourselves to look up to heaven. We bow because we're ashamed. And we say what needs to be said, not we want what we want to say. We're sorry. We've been a lot like Pharaoh. And we sometimes look at other people and think they don't deserve to be saved. They don't deserve the gospel. They've gone too far. We've looked at our Christianity and our histories filled with attitudes of we're better than others. They're not welcome here. We've soiled the very gospel that Jesus Christ died to preach. And so, Lord, humble us this morning. Help us to take one side over the other and say, Lord, I've been a bit too arrogant for too long. And you've been trying to humble me, and I have resisted, and I'm sorry. I just want to do right. Wherever you put me, help me do right. And if you never give me a place of honor, if you never give me money, if you never give me a family, you've given me life, and you've given me Christ, and you give me the Bible, and with whatever you give me, I will do the right thing. Knowing that you will do the right thing. And you will honor your promises, and I'll be much better off than if I kept my bad attitude. So, Lord, please free us from hating ourselves and hating other people. Free us to finally be in that place where we yield to you and we look, look at your plan and say, wow, God, it's not what I would choose. But if that's your choice, bless God, I'm going with it. If you were to choose me to do anything, I would do it. And if you choose not to, that's fine with me because you're Lord. Right now, I know you have opened up this opportunity. People are not here by accident so that somebody would get saved, so that somebody would cry out to you and say, Lord, I know my heart's dark and you've been knocking on my heart and I've been resisting you and I quit and I say, now, please save me. Worked for me 43 years ago. I pray, Lord, somebody will trust you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Just